You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Church, last week we talked about, we're jumping right into this this morning. Last week we talked about your ability to receive is directly tied to what you believe. What you believe will determine what you receive and what you're able to receive. So do, what do you believe became the, the, the question that we focused on last week. What do you believe? What do you believe about Sundown, Texas? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about your Heavenly Father? What are you aligning yourself with in your daily life? Is, is, is it a belief that exists in the heart of God for you and for those around you? Or is it something else? We read out of Romans 8, and we'll be there really quick. It'll be on the screen as well. Romans 8, verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set your mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Church, we have a choice to set our minds on the things of the Spirit or to set our minds on the things that are hostile towards the Spirit. There are only two camps. Uh, I worked with a guy. His name was Jimmy Needham. He, he was a worship, uh, 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 like a worship artist, a Christian artist. There it is. I couldn't figure out what to call him. He was a Christian artist, did the radio thing for a little while, and then he's, he's a worship pastor uh, now. But he, he wrote this song called Fence Riders when I was in high school, and it was about how you cannot ride the fence walking with the Lord. You can't have your one foot in one camp and one foot in the other. It does not exist. You either choose God with your life or you choose that which is hostile towards Him with your life. There's no picking apart and picking the pieces of Jesus that you like and the things that you don't like. We have a choice. And we must choose to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. But what we choose will be reflected by what we receive because you cannot receive what you do not believe. And in this season of restoration, we are to believe that there is an amazing work that the Lord desires to do in this community and you need to believe and understand this truth that this amazing work of restoration that He desires to do in Sundown, Texas starts with us as individuals. It starts with us. It starts with you. It starts with me. This work of restoration that the Lord desires for Sundown, Texas. And we must trust Him. We talked about this several weeks ago. We, have, we, we talked about the timidity that people were experiencing. The Lord revealed that, this, that there were several people that the Lord had called them into something, but they were being timid into stepping into it. They were fearful to step into it. They were worried about the, the ramifications of stepping into these things. And what we realized and what the Lord spoke is that we as Christians do not trust the goodness of God. If you trust the goodness of God and that it will pursue you, it will chase after you, it will be there for you all the days of your life, then when He calls you into a moment of obedience, even if there's so much unknown, for Sarah and I, it was coming to Sundown, Texas. That was one of our major moments. And we've had many of these major moments, but coming to Sundown, Texas, a place we never heard. I had driven through Lubbock one time in my life, and I vowed 
at, at a restaurant in Lubbock, Texas, seeing my first set of tumbleweeds that I will never live here. And I, I mean, I, I haven't. The Lord just laughed and is like, no, you won't live in Lubbock. I'm going to take you farther than Lubbock because it gets smaller. I didn't think it could get smaller than Lubbock. But that, what I had to realize and what Sarah and I had to realize through this process, and it's not like we just said yes to coming to sundown and just fully trusted the Lord. We didn't. It took us years to develop this trust. But we came to this place where we trust because we have seen the goodness of God that is for me and not against me. So do we as believers trust in the goodness of God? And if the answer is yes, then we can be led anywhere. If we trust His goodness to be for us and not against us. To trust in His goodness. Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is for you. And we must believe this church foundationally in this time and in this season, we must believe that He is for us. He is for me individually. He is not against you. And that He has not led you this far to abandon you now. This is something for me that I repeat to myself often. He has not led us here to abandon us here. He has led us here because He has more to do in and through us. He desires great and wondrous things. And He desires to use us in this move of God that we are currently seeing. Do we believe it? And if the answer is yes, that we, were, we believe it, we now can receive what He desires to do in and through you. But if you do not believe that He is for you, you'll have a hard time receiving the things that He's speaking over you. Believe that He is for you. Again, realize too that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in us. This life is no longer ours. The Lord is doing a work of restoration in our midst, church. And as we walk in obedience to, to be kindness to those around us, this was one of the very first things the Lord spoke uh, in 2020, that we would be vessels for the kindness of God because what was desperately missing and is still desperately missing from this world right now is kindness, genuine kindness to those around you. We don't experience that anymore. So much so that in certain parts of our country, if you hold the door open for somebody, you're not going to get a thank you or a smile. You're going to get yelled at for the offense of thinking that they couldn't open the door themselves. Like, where? What? I'll never forget when we had a group of seniors that went to California on a senior trip and a lot of them came back. They're like, I mean, nothing against California, but they were like, never again. Never again. These gentlemen that had moms that drilled into them this southern hospitality and they got a dose of what it looks like to live in a place without southern hospitality. A young man in particular got, got yelled at uh, pretty intensely because he held open a, a door for a woman that was walking behind him. Right? This is the world we live in. And it, it, it's to the point that we would be so unkind to such a medial task as opening a door for me. Right? Kindness doesn't exist in this world very, uh, uh, in, a, in a large amount. And the Lord has asked us in Sundown, Texas to be kindness, to be vessels for the kindness of God. That when people see us, when people see those that gather in this house, they would see a kind people. They would, they would have testimony of kindness that they have received from the people that gather in this building. That we would be kindness to those around us. That we would forgive ourselves as well as forgiving others. And that we would engage with the culture of Sundown, Texas. 
And the Lord has said, if we do these things and walk in obedience to these things that He has spoken, we will see the river of life flow through our city. And He will restore hopes. He will restore dreams. He will restore joy, peace, love, and kindness. And church, you cannot convince me that the Lord isn't moving in our midst. He is moving in Sundown, Texas in a way that I've never experienced Him move. I've experienced Him move in Sundown, Texas, but this feels different. This feels different to me. Last year, for some reason, and this is not, this is not on anybody. There's, there's no fault in this. This is just something that I was sensing in the Spirit. Last year, the, my least favorite place to be was in that football stadium on a Friday night. Not because I didn't enjoy watching our kids. Not because I didn't enjoy those men that were down there mentoring to our kids. or the peop- I loved the people in the stands, but it just felt... Like there was this inability for us to connect as people. There was just like this, like we just weren't meshing as a community for some reason. And I didn't know what it was. I couldn't quite figure it out. But I I, I go to the first scrimmage and that is gone. Absolutely gone. It just felt like we were a small town again. Like we were a group of people that were for each other, not against one another. And it was this beautiful thing to feel that again in Sundown, Texas. And then... When we were at Meet the Roughnecks, again, I'm, I'm, I, the stands are packed, seats are hard to come by, and I'm so excited and loved that, uh, loved that, uh, that turnout from our community. And that's just what Sundown does. Sundown turns out for these kids, and I love it. But at Meet the Roughnecks, I'm sitting in the stands, and there's this beautiful, gentle breeze that's blowing, and I hear the Lord say to begin to pray. And so I just start praying. And all that is, is I'm just, I'm just thanking Him for our community, thanking Him for our kids, thanking Him for the people that are, that are coming. And I hear Him say to me, invite me in. He's like, I'm here now. Invite me into this place, into this gathering right now, and I'm going to start moving. I was like, uh, okay, like you're invited. I don't know how to do this. Like, yes, Lord, come on. We'll step into this. And I could feel the Lord moving in a football stadium just because we were together, not because anybody was preaching, not because anybody was saying anything, but just because the presence of God was resting upon the community of Sundown, Texas, and we were all together in one place and you could feel His presence made manifest in those stands. It was this beautiful thing. The Lord is doing a new thing in our midst and He is simply looking for an invitation. And as we engage the culture, this is the beautiful thing. This is the next step. The Lord said that we must engage the culture. The time has come and it has gone for the church to stand in their building and talk about all the issues of the world and do nothing about it. That time has come and that time is gone. The Lord has placed us on the earth to be His hands and feet. If you want to see change, go establish the presence of God in the places that need to be different. That's it. You are the hands and feet. You carry the presence of the living God. And so the time for us to just sit back and watch and point fingers is so over. It is over and the time for us to be engaged has come. The Lord has left us to be His hands and feet, to be co-laborers with Christ. But how can you co-labor with Christ if you do not engage with Him in the field that He's working in? And that is the culture that gathers outside outside of this building. The culture of Sundown, Texas needs to know us. How do you engage the culture? You be present where the culture is. 
Super simple. It's really easy. And we talked about this. And it's simple because we know where they're going to be for the next several months, where they're going to be every week on a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday morning. They're going to be in, in one place. And they even print you off a convenient schedule so that you can make plans to be there ahead of time. They're telling, the culture is telling us, the people of God, where we can be to establish the kingdom of heaven in these places that we would engage the culture in such a way that it would be the woman that works leaven into the flour, that the kingdom of God in sundown Texas would be so mixed together that you could not hope to separate them. You could not look at sundown and not see the kingdom and you can't look at the kingdom and not see sundown. That's what the Lord desires in this place. That's what He desires to do in this place. And I gain this other piece of this, why he wants us to engage the culture, because when we're there, he has an invitation to begin to inter- intersect himself and weave himself into that culture. When the vessels that carry the presence of God find themselves in the midst of the culture, he now has the ability to move throughout it and transform it. And so it is necessary for us to engage the world around us Church, there's no doubt that he's moving. He's building a new sundown in, him, in his image, restoring us to the place that he has always desired this community to be. Part, and part of this restoration, part of this work of restoration that he's doing that we have to understand, and this can be the more difficult thing for us uh, just as people, but the thing that we need to understand with new direction comes new, with new restoration, I gave the answer. Dang it, I'm like the worst teacher in the world. I give you the multiple choice answer before I finish the question. But we, in this new work of restoration, we must understand that there will come new direction. We cannot hold on to that which belonged to yesterday because it is not for today. It belongs to yesterday. And with restoration comes new direction. How many of us, the Lord forgave us Is the gospel this, I will restore you. I will make you a child again. I will bring you back into the kingdom so that you can turn around and continue to sin. No, he doesn't restore us that we would go back to what he brought us out of. What slave will be freed and then choose to go back into bondage? That's not it. There's a new direction. We have to understand that when the Lord does a new work of restoration, there's a new direction that follows. He cannot restore us, church. If we are unwilling to change direction, we must be willing to change direction every single day. We must be willing to allow Him to lead us, to set our minds on the things of the Spirit and then yield to His leadership. We cannot expect to change or to see change in our community if there is no change found in us. And this has been the problem with the Christian church. Up to this point, this has been the issue. We desire to see change in the world, but no change within ourselves. You cannot live the way you lived yesterday if you desire to see a new tomorrow. You can't. The Lord desires a restorative work in us, and He desires this community to be led into a new place, built in His image where the city of sundown looks more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. That cannot happen if those He is imparting this word to first are not receiving it and allowing Him to change them where it's necessary. Where it's necessary for change. He's already begun this because what has to happen first in this this, uh, work of restoration that He's been talking to us specifically about, we 
The people of God have to be willing to offer forgiveness to those that have hurt us in the past and to forgive ourselves. And we, the people of God, must believe that which exists in the heart of God for us, not which exists against the heart of God towards us. Like last week, uh, the, 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 the phrase, the, the, uh, the quote that I read, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. But what, what did I choose to believe out of that? That I'm a master of none. And so I belittled myself. I can't move forward if I believe less than about who I am. Right? That's, that's the nature of God. He needs us to change and to be led into this new direction that we would believe that which is true about who we are so that we could see who our neighbor is also called to be. If there is no change found in us, this community will not be led into this work of restoration. We cannot have a community led by the Father if we are unwilling to be led by the Father. We must be willing to be led. We must be the first. We must say yes and step into the work of restoration first that we could lead a community into it. A new sundown can only be found if it yields to a new direction. And so it is for each and every one of us. But the thing that tends to trip us up is our preferences of how we wish it would have gone or what we wish it would look like. And in that preference, we, we put that preference in this category of expectation, which is wrong. Expectation is a good thing. I expect God to do what he said he's going to do. I expect that. But preference says, and I would prefer if you did it like this, the way I would have you do it. That never works out, church, ever. Your preference will always come up short and it will always leave people empty. It will never be the fullness of what the Lord had intended. It will always be short. It will always be less than because we do not see the fullness of what the Lord is doing. We must be willing to be led by the Father in this new direction. We must lay down our preferences and yield to His leading in our personal lives each and every day if we hope for this community to do the same. The Israelites... We see this. Go ahead and turn to John 10. We'll be in verse 7. But the Israelites had a similar dilemma. Multiple times they had a similar dilemma. And one of the most profound scriptures that we've read for this house that still continues to be at the core of what the Lord is doing was in Ezekiel when the Israelites are being led out of Egypt. They're being led away from their captors, away from their bondage. They're being led out and the Lord... um, They come to this point where they are being... Not Ezekiel. Thank you. I I got the E right. I'm crushing it today, right? I'm crushing it. Uh, Exodus, thank you. Those that read their Bible, I appreciate you. Um, And those that don't, I love you too, okay? But read your Bible. Um, Exodus. They they, They see everything that the Lord is capable of to those who are unwilling to let go of His people. They see plagues after plagues cast upon their captors that are unwilling to relinquish the people of God up until the point where they see the firstborn, including the ruler of that land, his firstborn child slain by the angel of death that they saw come in at night and destroy the firstborns of all those that didn't have the blood of the lamb above their door seal. Profound. And then they're led into the wilderness. They hear the army coming. They see a body of water in front of them. And immediately they go to this place of, the Lord just led us here to die. 
because there weren't enough graves in Egypt. After everything he had just done, they immediately turned back to, we're, we're done, we're destroyed. Because how he was leading them didn't match how they thought it was going to go. I mean, they just thought they were just going to go skipping into the field and live happily ever after. But the Lord still had a work to do because there were a people that were coming after the people of God and the Lord needed them to understand his leadership. So he parts the Red Sea, they walk through it, and then they see an army destroyed that sought to come against them, that, that went back on their word, that finally released the people and then went back on his word and the Lord destroyed an entire nation's army because of that disobedience. And he led them and made a path where there was no path. He made a way where there was no way. And then we see it again with the Israelites, this dilemma of their preference versus surrendering to the Lord's leadership. We see it with Jesus. Because when Jesus comes, they are under the rule of the Roman Empire and they hate the Romans. And the Romans hate the Jews. So it's not a super fun uh, environment. It's not a super fun place to be. And so what is their expectation of when the Messiah comes? The Messiah is going to come do the same thing he did to the Egyptians. He's going to destroy the Romans and set us free. Destroy the Romans and set us free. But how did Jesus come? He didn't come with a sword. He didn't come with an army ready to destroy them. He came in a totally different way. And we see their reaction, um, and we see him explain this to them in John 10. So let's look at John 10. We'll be in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a, who, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in, of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life and I and that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from the Father. This is not, as he's explaining who he is and how he's come, this is not the answer that they were looking for. This, you need to understand that as this crowd is listening, it's not met with cheers of rejoicing, it's met with disappointment. Because they don't hear where the freedom's coming. They don't hear where the Romans are getting destroyed. They just hear that their Messiah is going to lay down his life. And that they're sheep. In this culture, they don't view sheep as mighty animals of, of war and authority, but meek and helpless without a shepherd. 
And they hear all of these things, and then they also hear that what he's come to do is not just for them, but for others that are not in that flock, but he's going to bring them in and call them in that we would be one flock that submit to one shepherd. This is not the answer that they wanted to hear because they had a preference of how their Messiah would come. And this passage is wrecking that preference. The Israelites, again, wanted Jesus to come back and destroy the Romans, for God to deliver them like he did when they were enslaved to Egypt. But that is not how the Messiah came. He came with forgiveness for all people, including those that have been oppressing them up to this point, forgiveness for all people, laying down his own life by his choice that all others may live. And because of his coming and his mercy and his forgiveness and the way that he came, we, church in Sundown, Texas, get to gather together and worship him and learn about him and walk with him. You need to understand that. If he came only with vengeance and fury to save the Israelites, there is no place in that for us because we are not Israelites. We have been made sons and daughters through adoption, through a choice that he made that he came to die not just for a few but for all. And because forgiveness was made available to all of us, we now get to step into it. And that is the only reason that we get to gather together today. We gather together in His name to submit to His leading and His goodness instead of our preference. If He had yielded to the preferences of the Israelites, you would not be here today. You would not know Jesus. You would not know the Holy Spirit and you would not walk with either of them. But because He came in the way that was perfect beyond any one's ability to perceive or understand, but he came in the way that was necessary, we now in Sundown, Texas, can expect to see a move of God in our community. Only because he came in the way that he needed. His direction, not ours. His leadership, not ours. So when we submit to his leading, when we submit to his goodness, trusting in his goodness instead of our preferences... This will produce kingdom results like we could never imagine. And church, obviously there is, there is personal application for this word. But there is corporate application as well today. Personal application, you need to look and allow the Lord each and every day to determine what that day is to look like. I understand we got to get up, we got to go to work, that's just part of it. But... The in-between moments, if we live with the Lord having complete access to us and complete freedom to move through us, the world will begin to shift. But it's when we wake up and we have this preference of how we would prefer the Lord move, what we would prefer this move of God to look like, what we would prefer this community to look like. When we do those things, we will always lose sight of the heart of God for the things going on around us. You will always lose sight. And it's easy to do. If you are a dreamer, this is easy to do. Because if you're not dreaming with the Spirit of God, what you're doing is you're dreaming in yourself and in your preferences. And all that does is create turmoil and bondage to those around you. And disappointment because it'll never be what you want it to be. We must yield to His leadership. But in doing that, in our daily lives, we will see kingdom results like we could never imagine. And the corporate application for this house. Um, I've asked this question since the pandemic uh, began. Uh, and, and I stepped into this role. And our whole staff keeps this question at the forefront of their minds. 
we, we think about this and we talk about this all the time, but how, the question that we always ask ourselves individually and as a staff, how can we be the solution? How can we be the solution? So often, Melissa will just text me, hey, I heard about this need, and it's like, okay, just do it. I don't, just go. Melissa finds out all these things and, she, and does all these things, and Sarah and, and Lorinda and Rhonda, they do all these wonderful things. But it's always because, and it's always motivated by, how can we, the church of God, the body of Christ, be the solution in this moment, in this time, to these people that the Lord has called us to serve? You need to understand that. He's not only called you to lead this community, He's called you to serve this community. If you are here, you have been anointed to serve this community. So we ask this question, how can we be the solution? And recently, I've focused on our gatherings with this question in mind, recognizing that we can't view this new thing that God is doing in our midst through the same routine and try to make it fit. And this is the issue that a lot of believers have, is we see the Lord and the Lord speaks, and then what we immediately try to do is we try to figure out how it's going to fit into my current routine, my current structure of things. Never giving the Lord the freedom to change the structure of things. I love this church and I love the freedom that uh, I have here to do these things because one of those things that needed to happen to break from the routine is we needed to start with the Word today and finish with worship. That was not my preference. I like that moment where I get to play and worship before I come up here. But that didn't matter. And the Lord obviously had it highlighted for a lot more reasons other than the spiritual implications. There were a lot of things logistically that needed, needed uh, me to preach first. And I didn't even recognize these things. His ways are not our ways. He sees more than we can see. But we, church, we have to also recognize that when the pandemic came and we were going through all that stuff, the Lord continued to highlight to us that He was shaking all of the gray in our culture. He was shaking the gray that things would be black and white again. It would be for him or against him and you would see it clearly. And he was shaking what we had put our faith in that was not in him. We put our faith in entities. We, for so long, I had experienced, and I, I, I don't want to get in trouble saying this, but I had experienced a community that had complete and total faith in that school and thought that school was perfect. That school is not perfect. That school has a lot of things going on. They're trying to navigate a very difficult world right now for our kids. That school can't be perfect because there's not a single one of us in this community that's perfect. It can't be perfect. And the pandemic shook those things as, as everybody was trying to figure out, okay, how do we do all of this now in this chaotic season? We realize, okay, this is not a perfect place. We are not a perfect people. This church is not perfect. We saw all of these things, but also what we saw was that the Lord was pointing out to us that the people in this church and really across the country, what we had done is we had stopped worshiping God and we had started to worship a routine. Because in the Bible Belt, it's expected Sunday and Wednesday, where are you supposed to be? At church. That was the expectation my entire life growing up. On this day, you had your butt in church, period. Not because you desired to be with the Lord, but because that was what you did. It was a routine that I worshipped. It was a routine that so many worshipped. It was not the presence of God. It was a routine. And we did that too. We got into this habit of just showing up because it's just what you did. And the Lord shook that and destroyed it and He closed those doors. 
And we could only gather online. You could only gather from the comfort of your home watching it online. And this was an empty room. But that was a beautiful thing because what the Lord opened up was our recognition that we, each and every time we gather, we submit to His leadership and His alone. It needs to look like what He needs it to look like. And we've had some really interesting Sundays since that day. This uh, kind of one of those, just being a little bit different. We cannot view this new thing that God is doing through our same routine trying to make it fit. And I found myself doing that. We must allow Him to bring the change that's necessary. What needs to look differently in this season, uh, He needs to have the freedom to set up and look differently. And so there are some practical applications for that. One of the things that we uh, felt like the Lord was calling us to do or asking us to do is we felt like there that our offering was supposed to be led by our kids. I don't know the full implications of that, but Jackson and Liam are now our offering, our, our uh, little bearers of the plates. And I don't know why that is, but the Lord, that was one of the things that the Lord highlighted that needed to change. And the next thing that needed to change uh, is our Sunday school hour. What I've noticed and what Melissa and I talk about this all the time and so does Sarah. We talk about in staff meeting all the time the need for us to be together and fellowship with one another because it is missing. The people of God, we do not gather together anymore. We don't do a very good job of it. I don't know, with the exception of a few of you, I don't know what the Lord is doing in a majority of your life. I have no idea what these words that have come from this pulpit, what, what they're doing in your world. Not a clue. That's a problem for me. And Because the other thing is, is you have no idea what the Lord is doing in my story. And I'm your pastor. And you, have, you don't know what the Lord has been working on in me and in my heart and in my family. Because we don't spend time together. We have no fellowship. Wednesday night, uh, the youth group gathered at Sunset Park and they, they went on this scavenger hunt. And I love uh, Sammy and Debbie's vision uh, for these things to just change it up and, and to be sensitive to what the kids, where the kids are at and to know to plug these different things in. And you think a scavenger hunt, you think they're just playing games. There's so much ministry in it. It's ridiculous. It's weeks and weeks of ministry just compiled into a scavenger hunt. It's so fun. The kids have an amazing time doing it. But... Through, again, a, a wonderful idea of Melissa, uh, our, our projects, our kindness projects that we want to finish up, getting our speakers up and then getting our sign on the door. It's, I'm waiting on other companies and parts and different things to come in. So uh, at her suggestion, we went and we cooked with the youth. And a group of us adults were just out there with the kids. And I had the most fun I've had on a Wednesday and I can't remember how long. Not because of the activity, but because we were together. And we were just together. And we talked about everything. It wasn't like we just sat there and talked about the Lord the whole time. He's going to come up naturally when a group of people love the Lord. He's going to come up. He's going to make an appearance in the conversation. But we just talked about life, about work, about projects, about uh, uh, things that... uh, get us in trouble with our spouses and all that kind of fun stuff. And, and then we talked with these kids. And these kids didn't see a group of adults that were completely and totally separate from them like it exists in the church. In the Western church, youth and adults just separate 
No interaction in ministry, which is disheartening and just not in the design of the Lord. But these kids got to have conversations with people and they got to see faces from people and, and see these faces up close that they've never seen before. And they got to see people that were for them, that were not against them, that stood in their corner, that love them, but don't know them. That's the thing that love them, but do not know them. That's significant to be loved by someone that does not know you. They don't need anything. They don't need any information to love me. They love me in, in spite of their lack of knowledge of me. Right? It's a beautiful thing. And we got to just have this time and we got to have this fellowship and it became so clear what is necessary because we, as a staff, have been trying to figure out, okay, how can we have more meals, fellowship meals after church? And that's just, a, that's, those are fun for a special occasion. That is not sustainable over a long period of time. Uh, because somebody always has to miss preparing food, different things like that. It's just difficult, and people have stuff going on after church, and I get that. And so what the Lord said, because he's also releasing a lot of things that need to be taught, really in-depth teaching that we need to dive into. But what the Lord said, through different conversation and just prayer, and I've sat on this for about three weeks, just praying, okay, what is the, how does this look like? But Sunday school is meant to be a time of fellowship. So... It's not starting next week. It'll start in a couple weeks. So just continue to come to Sunday school like normal. But here in the next couple of weeks, Sunday school, that hour is going to be a time for us to gather together in fellowship. There's going to be coffee, different beverages, donuts, good stuff. And we're just going to come together and we're going to enjoy being together before we come in here and worship the Lord. We're going to guarantee that at least once a week we get to gather together hear about what's going on in each other's story, pray for one another, talk about how the Lord is moving in our life since the week before, how the words that the Lord is bringing are applying and changing our stories. But we need to know each other, church. We need to know each other. And since the pandemic, we've gotten really bad at knowing each other. And it's time for that to shift again, that we would know each other, that I would know your heart and you would know mine. And then this group of people could go and engage. How much better can we engage the culture of our community when we know one another? So much better. So that's going to start in a couple weeks. So come, gather. It's a low-pressure time. We're still going to have Sunday school for our kids and for our little, little kids. So that's still going to be available. So come at 945. We're going to enjoy that. We'll let you know when that's going to start. And then the next thing is once we get through these projects, Wednesday nights, the Lord... Has, has brought a series and is writing a series in me because since the pandemic, we've, we've lost the expectations of the gifts of the Spirit. We have lost our anticipation of seeing every time we gather, the Lord release the giftings of the Spirit of God in our midst. And in praying about that, Jay mentioned that several weeks ago, that the gifts are coming back. And I, asked, I was just asking the Lord, okay, when? What does that look like? What do you need from us? And he said, you need to be prepared to receive them. And how he wants to prepare us to receive them is he wants to educate us on them. So many of us know what the gifts are. And if I said, okay, what's the gift of prophecy? So many of you could give a definition. It wouldn't be wrong. But it would be surface level. Because the gift of prophecy is so much more than hearing from the Lord of things to come and speaking those things. But that's what the church widely has believed it is. That's, that's like barely scratching the surface of the gift of the prophetic. 
And the, gift, the Lord has said the gift of the prophetic is necessary for the furthering of the church and for the increasing of glory to glory that we're made for. If we're made for an ever-increasing glory, we need direction. Where does the direction come from? From words of revelation, knowledge, and prophecy. So we need to understand these things. To understand the gifts of healing. What does healing look like? So many of us, when I say the gift of healing, where do we immediately go? We go to the physical manifestation of healing. And oftentimes, because we so focus on the physical manifestation of healing, we miss the actual work of healing the Lord desires to do. When the, this revival broke out that started this wave of God across the country, when it broke out at Asbury College, what people encountered, the healing they encountered was not of the physical body, but it was of the mind and of the heart. What people experienced was peace like they never encountered before. Their anxiety and their depression were gone. They were healed from these things. And can you think of anything that is taking our kids and our young people and our adults more than anxiety and depression right now? It has become a household common thing to talk about what medicine you're on for anxiety and depression. It's heartbreaking. What is happening that there is such turmoil that is being received at such a young age in our kids? That they're just growing up with this. Like this is just normal to them. I didn't have anxiety when I was a kid. But I lived in a different world. The world has shifted and the presence of God is necessary. And we can see the need. But that, that release that he brought in that, at that college, was that not healing? Was that not healing? It was absolutely healing, but we misunderstand some of these things. So the Lord has said it is time for us to prepare the vessels that they can then receive the move of God and the giftings of God that He desires to release. But we must be prepared to receive such a thing. He doesn't want to give them to us blindly. He's not just going to throw, it'd be like me throwing Liam the keys to my truck and just saying, good luck. It's not going to end well. And it's the same with the giftings. We need an understanding of how these things move. And so we're going to start that here in the next couple of weeks as well. Church, we have to, not just corporately, but individually, we must set our minds on the things of the Spirit and yield to His leading and to the direction that He desires to take us. New direction doesn't mean that where we're leaving is bad. It doesn't mean any of those things. It doesn't mean that where we're going is going to be difficult. It's just a new direction that the Lord has for us. We are made for an ever-increasing glory, not for an ever-repeating glory. You hear what I'm saying? We're not on a hamster wheel in this life. We're meant to elevate and we're meant to carry those with us that are around us. We are meant to elevate them as well as we move forward in the kingdom of God and into the presence of God. We're meant to move forward and we're meant to elevate everything that we're in. Christians, every community that has a strong body of believers that operate with the Spirit of God, you should be able to tell that there are people that walk with the Spirit in this community. Maybe not know which ones are which, but you should be able to tell because of the leadership that the community is under. You hear what I'm saying? So the Lord has new direction for Sundown Texas, new direction for Sundown Church. And if any of those things that I mentioned, which one of those things sounds really difficult and really hard and it's going to be like pulling teeth? I've, our, I've just promised you coffee and donuts. Like, which part of donuts is bad? There's not anything. It's the Lord's breakfast food, right? Anointed just like Chick-fil-A is the Lord's chicken. 
Donuts are what he chooses for breakfast. We'll have these kinds of things. Which of that sounds bad? Gathering together on a Wednesday night to, to understand the gifts of the Spirit, which of that sounds bad? And that's new direction. New direction from the Lord will always lead you into blessing and provision. Every single time. It is His nature. It is His nature to release goodness. The Spirit of God, the, the fruits of the Spirit, one of those is what? Goodness. So that means where the Spirit of the Lord is, He cannot help but produce goodness. So why would we not want to stay where He is? And He's heading a new direction. Will we follow Him? Because you are guaranteed to experience goodness in those places. Hope in those places. Joy in those places. Peace in those places. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.